Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But God, His wrath is justified. This time in the book of Revelation from chapter 6 onward has been talking we've been talking about the wrath of God but we've also been talking about the the greatness of God and this is a, a difficult chapter there is no doubt but we have to understand that God's wrath when it is poured out it is justified it's warranted by the misdeeds and the reprobate heart of those who dwell on the earth Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. In chapter 15, which is a prelude to the final bold judgments, John will go back and describe God's judgment in more detail. This idea of stating and restating in more detail is common with prophecy and with Hebrew literature in general. Remember, we already saw what seemed to be the end in Revelation 6, 12-17. Now John takes us over the same material in greater detail again. This reminds us that Revelation is not strictly chronological in its arrangement. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study in chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Revelation chapter 15. This chapter is a chapter that is a heavenly scene. This whole entire chapter is taking place or will take place in the heavens at the appropriate time in heaven. And chapter 15 and 16 actually go together. They go together, and we're not going to cover chapter 16 today. We will look at that next week, but we will look at the prelude to that last or that, that 16th chapter. We will look at the prelude of that today, chapter 15. This chapter is what I would like to call the calm before the storm, or you could call it the deep breath before the final roar. The deep breath before the final roar. And who's roaring? It's Jesus Christ. He came first as the meek and mild baby in the, in the manger, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But when he returns in glory, he is not coming back as the meek and mild lamb that seems uh, defenseless. No, he's coming back as a lion. And he's coming back for vengeance. It's a good time to be on the Lord's side when he returns. Because as fierce and as wonderful as his love is, which we have all been the beneficiaries of, it's also true how great is his wrath when he has exhausted all possibilities for a human soul and they've continued to reject. There's a moment where wrath has to begin. And that is not something the Lord delights in, I can tell you. If you know the character of God at all, you know that he does not delight in that at all. He would much rather have you give your heart to him and live. 
And it's really not so bad, is it? Is he such a bad taskmaster? (laughs) I mean, is there anything bad about him? All we have to do is be willing to give up our sin and trust in him and confess our sin. Is that so hard? Actually, it is for the natural man. But it's the calm before the storm. And we'll see that chapters 16 through 18 are scenes, uh, again, after when we get into it, they will be occurring on the earth. In fact, all throughout Revelation, you've seen this, we've been seeing this pattern of things that happen in the heavens, things that happen in the earth, things that happen in the heavens, things that happen in the earth, and it continues going in that fashion all the way through the book of Revelation. And it ought to encourage you that the directive is coming from heaven. It starts in heaven and ends on the earth, and that's the way it is. God commands, it comes to pass. It is that simple. He is in control. He's in charge. He has the right over his creation to do as he wills. And he is very fair. God is very fair. Actually, let me say this. God is just. He is just in all that he does. Was he fair to choose Jacob over Esau? Was it fair to Esau, even though Esau was blessed and had opportunities? No, it's not fair when God chooses someone for a specific reason. Was it fair that the tribe of Levi got chosen out of all the 12 tribes to to lead in the worship of Israel? Was it fair to the other tribes? No, it wasn't fair. It was just. God makes decisions, and it's our prerogative, it's our joy to get in line with that. It's not a democracy with God. It's a theocracy. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to that day because there's no... Uh, there's no, um, it's fair. Everything is done perfectly. You get my point. And I'm longing for that day. But when we do get into chapter 16, at the end of chapter 16, chronologically, that will bring us right into chapter 19, even though there's chapters 17 and 18. But remember, there are parenthetical chapters in the book of Revelation. Chapters 17 and 18 are two of those parenthetical chapters, meaning it talks about the fall of Babylon, And it goes into great detail about the false religious system and the economic system that's going to be in place on the earth. And so that is what is going to happen. So let's look at chapter 15. Let's just read it. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, they were standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you? Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Notice in verse 5, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girt with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, or vials in the King James, full of the wrath of God, who lives, what? Forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke 
from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Let's go back to verse 1 here. This is a really interesting thing. Again, the calm before the storm because... Uh, As we're going to see, we've already seen the the seal judgments. We've already seen the trumpet judgments. And now we are getting to the seven last vials or the seven last plagues, the seven last vials or bowls of wrath. This is going to be, it's sort of like in in, in a music, in a song, how there is a crescendo of of volume that comes up to the, the, the climax of the song. It could be right at the chorus section where the song is going, and then you hit that chorus. We hit some today, and it's just like, ah! When you finally hit that chord, and it's usually the four chord, you probably don't know, don't care, but anyway, you hit that chord, and it just blows up, and then you're singing with all of your heart. It's that kind of thing. There's a crescendo in this, but unfortunately, it's not for joy. It's a crescendo of God's judgment. He starts off, and everything is throttled. You know what I mean by that? The, the seals, and then the trumpets, and now the vials. And it's going to be the worst and the most intense out of all of them. And it's going to happen in the second half of this tribulation period that we've been talking about. This time of Jacob's trouble, the Bible calls it. A time of great tribulation. It's also called Daniel's 70th week. We've talked about that over and over. And it's a time that Jesus said, if I didn't return To end it, no flesh would survive. That's how bad it's going to be. That's how bad it's going to be. But notice, verse 1, it says, John speaking, Then I saw another sign in heaven. This sign, this word sign, actually occurs seven times in the book of Revelation. Seven times just in the book of Revelation. And if we look at it in its singular form, there's sign and then there's signs. But the word sign, is it only occurs three times. And it, uh, it is the, um, the first time we see it is in Revelation chapter 12. Well, it reveals to us a personage in this end time scenario. It says, Now I, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. This is speaking of Israel. And we also see another sign in uh, the, the third verse of chapter 12. What does it say? It says, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on its head. This is speaking of Satan. And we know that he is going to empower this man of sin, the beast, the Antichrist, in this last end time scenario. And he is going to preside over a revived Roman Empire. And we also see the word sign here in the first verse of Revelation 15. Another sign I saw, seven angels having seven last plagues. For in them, notice, the wrath of God is complete. And it's interesting, out of all those times... We're not going to look at the other three, but we look at these three. And out of all of the seven times this is mentioned, only two are in a context that are good. And it's in Revelation 12.1 and here in Revelation 15, verse 1. Revelation 12.1 talks about the woman, Israel. And then now it talks about the seven angels with the seven last plagues. Every other connotation is in an evil context. And so now we have these these two personages in this time period. And notice it says seven angels. These seven angels, we've seen seven angels prior in the book of Revelation. When we were looking at the trumpet judgments, we saw a very distinct group of seven. 
you'll remember that in Revelation chapter 11, what does it say? Then the seventh angel. Notice the definite article. I don't want to get too technical here, but the seventh angel. And then prior to that, it will be the sixth angel, the the fifth angel, the fourth angel, the third, etc., etc. Very specific group of people. And now we get to this area now, and it says that, Seven angels sounded without the definite article. Seven different people, seven different angels are going to be responsible for bringing forth this judgment out of the throne room of God. And I love the fact that God doesn't even need to get up off of his throne. He's almighty God. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but the more time goes on, the more I, I, I just joy and I revel in the idea of his all-loving power, his all-loving perfection, because it's completely unadulterated. It's completely uncorrupted. He is perfect in everything that he does. And I don't know about you, but I just, I love that. I can't wait for that day when we are in his presence, because that's the way it's going to be. And there's going to be no, uh, nothing is going to be false. There's going to be no deception Everything is going to be known, and it's going to be wonderful, folks. We've never experienced anything like it on this planet. Since you were born up until now, you've never, I have never experienced anything like that. But God doesn't even need to get off his throne. He dispatches angels to do his last pouring out of wrath upon the earth. Not because he's tuned out. He's in complete control, seated. He knows How great is our God. Amen? How great is he? Notice that these seven angels, they have seven last plagues. These seven last plagues are the final heptad of judgments that we've been talking about. There's three different heptads, right? We looked at the seals. We looked at the the trumpets. And now we look at these seven last plagues. And you remember this familiar graphic that I showed you. Well, now, well, actually next week, we're going to be getting into that final seven plagues. Notice in verse 1 back in our text, it says that in them the wrath of God is complete. This phrase intimates that God was pouring out his wrath prior to this. Now, it's no surprise to us that the seals and the trumpet judgments, those were all judgments. There are, but there are people who believe that those things really weren't the judgment of God. But, but now in Revelation 16, going forward, that that is actually the judgment of God. But that's not true at all, because this actually is another proof text, this verse that we're looking at right now, that the post-tribulation view is wrong. What is the post-tribulation view? It's a view that says that the church has to go through the tribulation, and then the rapture occurs. But that violates everything in the Bible. Did you know that? The post-tribulation view is not a very good viewpoint at all. We believe in a pre-trib rapture, meaning before the wrath is poured out on the earth, we are removed. And is that just something that I would like? Yes, it is. I'll be honest with you. I would really like that. Thank you very much. Is anybody here? Raise your hand if you want to go through wrath. Oh, wow. There's nobody. Anybody online? raising? I can't see. Oh, one person. Okay. No, nobody wants to go through that. It's nice and convenient, isn't it? And the world can mock us if they want. Oh, your crutch is Jesus. You better believe it is. What is your crutch? Heroin? What's your crutch? Alcohol? What's your crutch? Relationships? Controlled substances? Oxycodone? What is your crutch? Well, my crutch is Jesus, and I'm glad to say that he is my crutch. He is my crutch. Amen? Is he your crutch? 
Yeah, and you know why? Because the Bible says, what does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9? Remember, memorize this verse. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are many other passages and types in the Bible that corroborate this statement. But memorize this, because if we have to go through the tribulation to to be purified, then what Jesus did on the cross was insufficient. But it says that he said on the cross, it is finished. That means it's done. No more work that needs to be done. Our redemption was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. Amen? So we believe in a pre-trib rapture. And not just us, but all the saints that went before us, going all the way back to the first century church, believed the same thing. They believed the same thing because the type of it is all over the Bible. We've already went into that when we were in uh, Revelation chapter 4. We talked about the rapture. We won't go back there now. But notice that the wrath of God is considered his strange work, a strange work. In Isaiah chapter 28, what does it say? In the King James Version, it says strange work, or in, your, in a version you might see unusual or foreign work. In our verse today, it says that it is his, uh, his awesome work. But it really means strange or unusual. What does it say in Isaiah? For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work. And this is the the same place where we would get, this is his strange work. Judgment is is God's strange work. He does it because his holiness demands it. But does he like it? Is it something that he likes to do? No, he'd much rather not do it at all. But he is who he is, and he cannot deny himself, and so he must bring judgment. It's his work, his awesome work, his literally his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Now, therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon what? The whole earth. The whole earth. People mock the Christian church and say, you guys have always been saying judgment is coming, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's coming. Trust me, it's coming. I'm not happy about it either. For me to be happy about that would have the direct, would have a heart that is not in line with God. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm so glad that we are going to be removed. The true church of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you're going to be raised incorruptible when we are raptured when you are taken up, and then these things are going to take place. Then these things are going to take place. I love what it says in Ezekiel chapter 33. These are a couple of verses I want you to write down. Just write the reference down because they're very important. You can always review the video or audio afterwards. But notice what it says in Ezekiel 33. Therefore, O son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Speak, saying, if our transgressions and if our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how should we then live? And then God says, say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and do what? And live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? That's a great message for America today, for the world. Why, why would you die? You don't need to die. Every one of us are going to die physically unless the rapture occurs first. But he's talking about eternal separation. Why will you die? Why will you be eternally separated from God? It's not his heart. What does it say in Second Peter 3, verse 9? The the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering or patient toward us, not willing, what, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. 
no matter who it is, the worst criminal on the earth that everybody wants to just throw away and, and send to the electric chair, that person in the eyes of God is a candidate of salvation if they turn their heart. And it's been remarkable over our history to see how some of the most awful criminals, serial killers, that the world would be just like, you know, if I had just five minutes alone with that guy, you know, I mean, men feel that way, don't you, sometimes? Am I the only one? Uh, <laughs> you know, you get so angry. You want to take matters in your own? You don't have to, because God's justice is perfect. But he does not delight in the death of the wicked. He wants all to come to repentance. But God... His wrath is justified. This time in the book of Revelation, from chapter 6 onward, has been talking, we've been talking about the wrath of God. But we've also been talking about the, the greatness of God. And this is a, a difficult chapter. There is no doubt. But we have to understand that God's wrath, when it is poured out, it is justified, it's warranted by the misdeeds and the reprobate heart of those who dwell on the earth at that time. What does it say in Revelation 16? This is, we'll see this next week, that one of the angels of the waters said, you are righteous. Notice, an angel is saying this to God as these final bowls of wrath are being poured out. What, is he, what does the angel say to God? You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. Notice, for they have shed blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Even the angels say, Lord, what they've got coming, they've got coming. And they can say it with 100% accuracy, with a right heart. Isn't that amazing? That there can be such a, a, a clinical decision in God's heart. The line has been crossed. Judgment must come. And there's no saving you at that point. God is almighty and infinite in his love, but he is almighty and infinite in his wrath as well. He is almighty God. The wrath of God is going to be poured out and completed, as it says in this verse. It's going to be complete, completed in uh, the sense of his judgment upon at least three things, namely those who have rejected the Lord and received the mark of the beast at this time period. God is also going to re unleash his wrath on the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. They are going to be cast into the lake of fire. We see that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. What does it say? And this is after Jesus comes to the earth. What does it say? In, in Revelation 19, verse 20, Then the beast was captured after Christ comes back, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two, notice, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone. This is the eternal resting place for the wicked dead. It's a place that God has created. That's their, their ultimate place where they're going to be. And Satan himself will be put into an abyss. In Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3, it says, Then I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, this abuso, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the, old, of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan. And notice, he bound him for a thousand years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit. A, 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 a reserve tank, if you will. The, the, the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're already sent to Gehenna, the lake of fire. But he holds this one, this one, Satan, who's behind it all. He holds him into a special place and lets him 
puts a lid on him for a thousand years while we are enjoying a thousand years on this earth in Jerusalem with Jesus. Do you understand that? He's going to be bound. He won't be able to do anything. And his rage is going to be severe. He's going to be bound up. God is going to judge him. It's going to be complete. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.